Hey folks, welcome back to the High Button Podcast. My name is Justin Belanger. If you could do me a quick favor, head on over to the podcast app on iTunes. Give us a rating and a comment. That would be much appreciated. Today's episode is brought to you by Eagle Energy. Eagle Energy is a plant-based caffeine inhaler. Everyone out there that is still drinking those sugary energy drinks to get you a quick jump start to the day, that is a thing of the past. Eagle Energy takes 30 to 45 seconds to kick in. It is a healthy alternative to your caffeine intake. I use it right when I wake up, sometimes at lunch when I need another bolt in the day. My friends use it, my parents use it. It is a fantastic product. Head over to our Facebook page. We are giving away one inhaler and one Eagle Energy hat. Enter for your chance to win. This Wednesday, we will be drawing the winner, so head on over to our Facebook page and check it out. This episode is also brought to you by The Doctor's Formula. Guys, you don't need to be a vegan to be able to enjoy vegan products. That's why over at The Doctor's Formula, they are creating some of the most amazing vegan supplements and protein powder. Also, some of the most amazing athletes on this planet today are using this product. Adam Lowry, Winnipeg Jets, Lewis Hamilton, race car driver, Jordan Tutu, ex-NHL star, and also Jordan Reeves, who we're having on the podcast today. I personally use it right after the gym, after I have a heavy workout. Chocolate protein is my personal favorite. Make sure to head over to thedoctorsformula.com and look at their products today. Also, go to their Instagram page, TDF Sports, and check out some of their cool content. Remember, the doctor's formula, vegan, protein, that's the way to go. This episode is also brought to you by Herbal Active. Guys, I've been an athlete my entire life. I've taken hits to the body for many, many years. At the age of 27, unfortunately, I'm starting to feel those hits now more than ever. So I want to help you. I want to help people that are feeling just like me. So that's why over at Herbal Active, they've given us a 20% off code in order for you to get your CBD products. Remember, CBD is the non-psychoactive natural components of the marijuana plant. There's no THC, so it won't give you the head high, the anxiety. All CBD does is infuse into your muscles, into your joints, and makes you feel good right off the bat. I put a little CBD oil in my tea at night. I feel like a baby, and I wake up refreshed and feeling like I can take on the world. So head on over to Herbal Active. The promo code is HB20. Get 20% off your order and make sure that you are feeling good again. Yes, sir. We are back. Welcome to the High Button Podcast. I am your host, Justin Belanger. Thank you very much for tuning in to today's episode. It's going to be a good one. Today is Monday. It is February 4th. The Super Bowl was last night. A bit of a snoozer. I shouldn't say a bit of a snoozer. It was a snoozer. Uh, I have nothing else to say about that. Tom Brady, six championships. That's some Michael Jordan-level stuff right there. I don't know if many of us will ever see that again in our lifetime, so... Just be appreciative that we got to witness greatness last night and don't really think about the bad game because it was an awful game. There's no denying it. It was terrible. But with that being said, greatness is what we viewed, so greatness is what we should appreciate. Uh, That's what I'm taking from it. I had some great food, some ribs, some pork chops. Uh, What do we have? Wings. We had bruschetta. Like a little, I'm not really a huge tomato guy, but when they chop it thinly and then they put it on the bread, I don't know, there's something about it. The balsamic balsamic vinegar they sprinkle on top of it. It was delicious. Um, yeah, great night. 
Also played board games yesterday. The Super Bowl day in general is just a write-off for most people. You know, you don't worry about business. You just you hang out. You hang out with family and friends. You laugh about the, the past year. Um, it, it's just a great day. Everyone's in a great mood. No one's really ever pissed off on Super Bowl Sunday. Everyone's cooking. The smells coming from the kitchen are phenomenal. Everyone's having a nice casual beer. And... Uh, and it's nice. It's just a great day. It's almost a, I wouldn't say it's a Christmas spirit, but there's definitely a spirit in the air that makes everyone loosey-goosey, relaxed, and ready to, to be entertained for the next three hours. Uh, halftime show, if you're asking about my opinion, if you're asking for my opinion on it, you know, I thought Big Boy was the best part of it, but he was only out there for 45 seconds, unfortunately. Uh, Adam Levine, uh, you know, Keep your shirt on next time, buddy. I got nothing else. You know, he's getting paid. I can't be mad at a guy like that. You know, he's in the Super Bowl, living his dream. So good for him, I guess. Was it my slice of pie? Is that what they say? Is it my slice of pie? What do they say? It wasn't my slice of pie. Or it wasn't my piece of cake. Whatever. It wasn't for me. Um, Travis Scott, I could barely hear what the guy was saying. You know, what do you, what do you want me to say? I guess I'm just I'm, I guess I'm getting to that point in life where I'm becoming a bit older and I'm starting to appreciate music from back in the day. I watched Bohemian Rhapsody about a week ago. I've been listening to Queen for the past yeah, a week or two. Um, I love music like that. And when you have a guy like Travis Scott up there, which you know, he's good for the club when you're drinking and things like that, but when you can barely hear him when he's live and all you really can appreciate is the the flames popping up in the background and the fireworks going up in the air it's all just a big show and it's not really about the act or the music or anything like that but hey i'm, I'm no expert i'm no expert here that, yeah, that's just my opinion um so today on the high button podcast we have jordan reeves jordan plays in the cfl for saskatchewan he is also the brother of ryan reeves who plays for the las vegas golden knights in the nhl we thought it would be a great opportunity to have Jordan on the podcast. Shout out to Riley for hooking this up. This is going to be a great, great, great listen due to the fact that he is a football player. I do not know much about football, but the Super Bowl did just happen yesterday, so I'll pick his brain on the game yesterday, um, what he thinks about Tom Brady and what he thinks about uh, the game and, and how it went down. Also, we'll talk to him about uh, his relationship with his brother. You know, I'm sure... Two guys growing up in the same household, I'm sure they had battles and made each other stronger, and now look at them, they're both two professional athletes, but a little tough love never hurt anyone, uh, so I'm sure he has some stories about growing up. It's going to be a good podcast, I'm excited for it. Hi Button, you know what comes next. Alright Jordan, thanks for joining the podcast, man, I appreciate it. No problem, thanks for having me on. Did you watch the Super Bowl last night? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, God, man, it was a snoozer. I mean, like, it's like you guys see it from both sides. Like, offensively, that was probably the worst football I've seen in I can't tell you how many years. Defensively, like, you know, defense wins championships, right? That's what they say. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was a defensive game, but, I mean, overall for the fans, like, it, I don't think it was an exciting game at all. I was just waiting. I was watching it the whole time. I was just waiting for something to happen, and then Brady was connecting nothing. And it's just on both sides, nothing was happening. By the by, the time it was like the first quarter was done, I thought the MVP of the game was going to be a punter. Yeah, <laughs> eight 
punts, right? I know. I was, like, I was trying to predict the score with my girl, and I was like, you know what? I think I think LA's going to have it into halftime. They're going to have a full head of steam, and then, you know, the GOAT's going to just trot through till the end. Yeah. But, I mean, it was 3 nothing going into half. It's like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any buddies on the team? Like, uh, I don't know the football community that well, but was anyone on the team that you knew of? Uh, no, not, not this year. I, uh, I was actually out here in North Carolina right now for the off season. I, uh, trade with Brandon Spike. So, I mean, that'd be the closest connection I'd have okay. to anybody out there, but no, no one, uh, this year on the teams. Right on. Um, so yeah, like how I like to structure these podcasts, like I like to start from when you're younger to where you are now. So I did a little bit of research on you and I found out that you were a basketball player and then you transit, you transitioned over to football. Um, what made you, what made you train? Like what made you do the switch? I guess is the question. Well, I, uh, after university, um, I was shooting to go play pro overseas in Europe. Okay. So, uh, you know, I was training day in, day out, and I finally decided to head over there. I went to Spain with one of my good friends at the time, Nick Laven. Uh, he's actually still, he was still playing. He just finished last year. Uh, we went over to Spain, and we went to this academy. And, um, you know, like, over in the States and over in Europe, when you think about Canadian athletics, you kind of think a little amateur. And that's just, like, kind of the consensus around there. So when we went up there, you know, two Canadians, they were kind of thinking, okay, these guys, they're not going to be anything good, whatever, we'll give them a look. We ended up being the top two at the academy for the entire time we were there. So, yeah, we ended up getting some looks. Um, My friend went over to Spain. I I checked out some teams in Spain, too. Uh, The thing is, over in Europe, if you're you're not one of those – first team All-Americans from NCAA, you're not going to get a, a look from the top tier uh, divisions yet. So you got to kind of work your way up the ladder. So we were we were checking out some teams. I checked some teams out in Spain. I went over to France for a bit. I was in uh, Ljubljana, Ljubljana, Slovenia for a bit. And overall, you know, I just, I just started to fall out of love with basketball, dealing with you know, just shitty agents and just, just people who are trying to lowball you and cut you out of deals. And so it got to the point where I just felt like people were just, you know, playing with me, pulling my chain. So I just said, you know, I got to come back to Canada. I got to refresh, and I'll take it from there, see see what uh, see what's next for me. And I came back to Canada, and uh, I, I linked up with another agent who was out in Toronto. I won't say his name because he was awful. <laughs> um, but I linked up with him. And, you know, rule number one, don't ever give an agent money until they do something for you, right? But, yeah. you know, I was desperate at that time, so I sent him a couple bucks, and he kind of just kept me on a string just because I was trying to get into the NBL at this time, uh, the little Canadian NBA league. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he would tell me one week, hey, I got a team interested in you. Your bags are packed. I'm like, they haven't been unpacked since Europe. I'm ready to go. So he's like, okay, we'll get a flight for you tomorrow, and I'd be ready to go, excited. You know, have the friends over for one last bash, and then, the next day, he'd call me and say, hey, it fell through, man, but just just don't worry, I'm still working. And, you know, this kind of went on for two, three months, and it got to the point where I noticed myself getting to the gym. And growing up, the gym was always like my sanctuary, my escape from all my troubles and all my anger and everything. I'd go and just relax there. But it got to the point where I'd be on the court, and, you know, it felt like work. I was, I was coming to work. It's like, oh, I got to go train today. Yeah. And right, right then, I, I knew right away I was falling out of love with basketball. And... It was actually just coincidentally one day I was going to the gym 
And my neighbor at the time was Dimitri Squares. He uh, used to play for Ottawa Renegades way back in the day. Okay. And, uh, you know, he looked at me. He's like, hey, man, how's basketball going? And I just kind of said, you know what, man, it's bullshit. Like, I'm tra- it feels like I'm training for nothing right now. I'm literally going to the gym every day with no hope of anything. Like, it's just, you know, I just feel like I'm at a standstill. And he's like, man, you should have stuck with football. You were so good growing up. Like, I don't know why you didn't stick with it. And I'm like, believe me, man, I wish I did too at this point in my life. And he was like, you know what, man? If I call my old agent and, you know, they talk to you and give you a shot, would you would you try and get back into it? And I said, you know, absolutely. I feel like I'm doing nothing right now. I would love to try that. So, honestly, within 48 hours, his old agent called me. Uh, he said, yeah, I definitely want to take you on. Let me let me pull some strings. Let me call some people and see what we could do. And uh, he ended up calling Winnipeg, my home team at the time, and I got a tryout with Winnipeg right away. You know, went, showed them what I could do, and they, they liked me enough to give me an invite to the Combine. I went to the Combine, which, funny enough, was run by Coach Jones at the time when he was in Edmonton. Um and yeah, I went there as a receiver. I killed the testing. It was top five, top three, and pretty much everything. And then we got to the one on ones. And uh, I remember I, I was asking people because I didn't really know the rules up until I stopped playing football at 15. So I missed all the technicality and all like the big rules and stuff. So I remember I was getting ready for my one on one, and I asked one of the receivers, "Hey, man, like, could I press? Or like, if they press me, can I run them over? Like, or do I got to move away from?" It's like, "Hey, man, if he's all up in your business trying to trying to disrupt your route, yeah." You, run them through them so i was like okay okay so i remember the next rep i went out i was waggling down and i saw the guy went from five yards to one yard to press me i'm like okay here's my time to shine here's my time to show them what i'm about and i absolutely blew this guy up stepped over him continued my route and caught the ball and it was then coach jones walked up to me and he was kind of like hey um i want you to go play receiver and then db every other every other try you're going db receiver i don't see what you could do and he's like, just treat it like basketball. Box the guy out. Don't let him touch the ball. So I'm like, okay, I'll try that. So I went to DB and uh, first play, knocked the ball down. Great positioning. And so I did that the rest of the time. Come uh, training camp, or Winnipeg brought me to mini camp, sorry. And, uh, you know, I did good out there. Obviously, I was a little rusty because, one, I, I never played receiver. I was a running back growing up. And, you know, I was out, out of the sport for 10 years, so it was tough to get back into it. But, yeah. you know, I tried good I was always in shape my conditioning and everything was always top-notch so that I kind of exceeded him and I think they saw that so I came uh, back to Winnipeg and uh, we went to training camp and I, I think I had a really good training camp uh, the two preseason games I played you know, I only got two targets but I caught both the balls um, it came down to final cuts and I really thought I made the team and two minutes outside of final cuts, I got a call from a Winnipeg number I hadn't seen before and I was a little worried and I picked it up and it was Kyle Walters. I was like, ah, shit, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they released me. I was, uh, I was definitely a little salty, you know. Um, I thought I worked hard enough. I knew I wasn't like game, game roster quality yet, but I definitely thought I was, I was, uh, good enough for a practice roster spot to develop, but you know, it's a business and it is what it is. So I just, Worked as hard as I could that off season, and really wanted to prove to Winnipeg that they were going to regret letting me go. And I remember uh, I got a call from Coach Jones, and he's like, yeah, I want to bring you over to Sask. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So I went out to minicamp with Sask, thinking I was going to be a receiver. And I was sitting in the meeting with Marcus Howell. That was our receiver coach at the time. I just remember Coach Jones coming in. Reeves, what the hell are you doing? 
I'm like, what, coach? I'm, I'm, I'm watching Phil. It's like, you're playing safety. Let's go. I'm like, what, safety? I'm like, coach, you got to understand. I was a running back growing up. I stopped playing when I was 15. I only know offense. My dad was a running back. I only know offense. And you're going to throw me? Okay, you know what? Let's do it. Let's see what we got. So I remember just sitting in the uh, meeting with Jason Shivers, and uh, he was writing Chinese on the board to me. I had no <laughs> idea what anybody was talking about. They're talking about cover two, quarters, all this. And I'm, what are you guys talking about? Just just put my name on the board and tell me where I need to be. Like, I, I, You guys are messing me up with everything else. So I went out to the camp. I played safety for him. I played corner for him. I played half for him. I played linebacker. <laughs> And then the last day, he's like, you know what? Come play some one-on-ones. You're on the end. You're, you're pretty athletic. So, you know, I went to D-end, and uh, I I think I was something like 7 for 11 on my one-on-one rep. So, I did really good. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're going to bring you to camp. Like, you're looking good. I get to training camp. And my whole thing was I was only 220 pounds at that time. And I played a majority of the mini camp at defensive back and safety. So, I had the whole intention of coming in to play DB. And same kind of thing happened. I get to training camp. I'm sitting in the DB uh, meeting room, and we're going over plays. And Coach Jones again, Reeves, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, what? Coach, I'm, I'm watching film. He's like, nah, you're playing on the end for me. You're DN. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so now I'm a 220-pound DN, first year on defense going in there. But, you know, my, my thing was I, I'm a hard worker, right? So – I ran every single play. I sprinted to the ball every play. I showed him that I'd never give up. And my first year, that's how I made a team strictly on my work ethic. Well, it looks and like yeah, it looks like you were chucked into a lot of new situations when you first went into the CFL. If you can pinpoint, oh, yeah. if you could pinpoint one of the biggest or maybe the hardest transition, what do you think it was? Um, I would think the hardest transition would be reading the play as it happens. Like as a, like when I went on to the DN. My whole thing was I was staring at the quarterback and running back. And every single time I'd, I'd be out of position. I had no idea why until, you know, Willie Jefferson and the, some of the vets in the league were like, you can't look at the back. you got to beat your man first. So the hardest transition for me was focusing on the tackle and seeing what the tackle did and then reading the quarterback. Because for me, it was just moving too fast. I was like, you know what, let me just let me work on my get off first. Let me work on my first move first. Like I, this is all new to me. For these guys, they've been doing it for 20-plus years, so it's just second nature. Yeah. For me, I had to relearn and teach myself you know, the proper technique, the proper positioning, where I should be on runs, where I should be on pass, how to read if it's a runner pass. That was, that was actually probably the hardest thing because I would see the rest of my D-line. They would look at the O-line and be like, okay, hey, it's run. And I'm like, what, what the hell are you guys looking at? How do you know it's a run? Like, yeah. This looks exactly like it was the last pass. So, you know, my hardest thing was definitely getting keys off the O-line and keys off the quarterback and position where everyone's at. That was definitely hard for me. Did your, I know your dad played, from, uh, he played for the Miami Dolphins and he won a great cup. Did he ever give you any advice when you first got into the, into the CFL? Yeah, I mean, when I first got in, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, just show him what you could do. Um, go out there, play your hardest every play. But it, for me, like, it was, it was going, going from a running back perspective to a completely new game to me. So, you know, it was kind of hard for him to give me that advice going to the defensive side. But he yeah. just said, listen to, listen to the vets, listen to the coaches, do what they want, and, you know, you'll be successful. 
Well, that says something about your athletic ability, the fact that you're able to go from one basketball to the football, and then you go to football, and then they completely change your position. That's three transitions in a short period of time, and you're able to, I'm not going to say master it, but definitely be a professional athlete in that position. That says something about what you're doing. Yeah, no, I've always uh, I've always had that mentality growing up where it doesn't matter what I'm in, if it's a math class, if it's basketball, if it's hockey or football, I was always going to be the best. It didn't matter what it was, I was going to be the best. And, you know, my dad instilled that into me and my brother growing up. No matter what you do, just be the best. Just try your hardest and you'll be the best. So when I played basketball, you know, I, I worked the hardest. I was always, you know, one of the top players on my team. And when I made this transition to football, I knew I had the athleticism to back me up. I just knew I had to work that much harder for, on the technique. But the athleticism definitely helped transition that for me. That's sick. Um, I want to talk about uh, your household growing up, you and your brother Ryan, obviously both incredible athletes. And I know when I listen to other brothers that grow up in the same household, there's a lot of competition within the household, whether it's the gym, whether it's doing better in school, whether it's, I don't know, getting the, the hotter girl, like anything. Was there a lot of competition between you and your brother growing up? <laughs> from the day, from the second I woke up to the second I went to bed, absolutely. Like I tell, <laughs> I tell someone like, uh, this is the funniest story I could tell to just describe our childhood. When we would walk in the hallways, there's one hallway in our house where it's like really tight. One body, one of us could fit through. If you encountered my dad or my brother, whoever's the toughest is making it out that hallway first. You, you're not letting the other guy get through. You're bodying him. If we're going to put our foreheads together and push as hard as you can, first one to uh, back down loses. That was literally every second of my life was a competition with him. But I loved it. I loved it because, I mean, it made me tough like I am now. Like, I could... I could deal with stuff that most people can't because I had my brother and my dad whooping my ass growing up. So, <laughs> you know, competition was really high in my family. And, like, we, we loved it. We love competition. It's, it's just who we are. When your brothers started playing hockey, what was the reaction like in your family? Because, like, your dad a football guy, you're a football basketball guy. Where did that uh, decision come from from him? You know, I think we always knew he was going to go the hockey way. Um, He's not, I mean, I think you've seen the videos of him playing against Phil Kessel basketball. He's not a basketball star. <laughs> he, could, he could definitely hoop a bit, but he ain't no basketball star. Uh, football, he was actually one of the biggest beasts I've seen in football. Um, me me and him both changed uh, the rule books for club ball back in Winnipeg. You know, he, he, he was crazy. Um, but... Growing up watching him, he loved hockey. He loved playing hockey. He was big in hockey at our school that we went to growing up, which was a hockey school. Uh, he got really he got recognized at that school, and I'm pretty sure when he got drafted to Brandon, I think that's where he made the decision. He's he's going pro in hockey. Yeah. He would uh, he would write on his wall, like put a piece of paper, just said WHL, like get your shit together, you know, stuff like that, like motivating him to go the hockey route. And uh, yeah, I think I think once he was. Uh, how old would he have been? 17, 16, 17 when he got drafted to the Wheat Kings. That's why I knew he was going hockey. But, I mean, our parents support support us no matter what we do. So yeah. they were happy when he, he just chose one, you know. That's cool. It's cool in a household when there's just more kids in the house playing different sports. It gives the parents more variety to go watch. Like, they can go watch you play football in the summer than him in the winter. It just mixes it up a bit. I like that. Yeah, it's perfect. And then same thing, I could go watch him play. Like, I actually just went to... I'm out in North Carolina, so we drove to Raleigh just two hours away. I watched them play the Hurricanes uh, on Saturday, and then vice versa. Um, 
his off season is the beginning of our season, so he could come down and watch my beginning of the season. Oh yeah, that's true. I never even thought yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets out for the first couple games every year. Um, I saw on an interview that your brother did. He, you, your family has a relationship with Scott Oak. Where did that relationship yep. come from? So Darcy, we grew up with him. He's our, he was our neighbor growing Who, up. Who's and, Darcy? Uh, Dar- sorry, <laughs> Darcy's uh, Scott's son. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we uh, we grew up and Darcy and my brother and Darcy's late brother Bruce, best friends growing up. We all just kind of hung out, jumped on the trampoline. Um, the fence connected our houses, so we'd walk on the fence to each other's houses. Like it was just just kind of like brothers. Um, he was he was uh, the co best man at my brother's wedding. Uh, just just. We just consider him our brother. He's family to us, and that, like Scott's just Scott's just a beauty. We love him. <laughs> is he is he a different guy on T off TV than he is on the on the TV? Obviously, yeah, but, but he's it's like I would honestly say he's the same because he's fine. Like if you watch him and my brother's interviews, that's the Scott Oak that I know. Okay, you know, he's he's joking, sarcastic, uh, funny guy, but very serious when it comes to business. Okay, cool. Um, so what's the off season right now? What uh, what's the routine looking like for you? Have you taken any vacation anywhere? What's the training regimen like? Uh, give the people a little bit of a rundown there. Yeah, no, um, we we did a, do a little vacation. Me and my girlfriend, we drove down to Florida for a little bit, uh, nice. a couple of days just to get away. And uh, for me, my routine right now is just wake up, you know, get get my food in, take my dog for a walk, uh, then I go to the gym, get my work in whatever day it is come back i'll eat and then since we're getting close to the season i'll uh, go back to the gym later tonight and yep two a days for about five days a week we'll go once on saturday and then just kind of rest rehab on sunday and jesus that's it eat 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 get big um <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so during the season favorite place to play and the worst place to play favorite place to play other than other than your home other than home other than Winnipeg. Well, I play with Sass, so I'm not, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, other than Saskatoon and Manitoba. Other than those. Manitoba, okay. I would say my favorite place to play is Edmonton. Why Edmonton? Uh, big stadium. We have a pretty big fan base over in Edmonton, and it was one of my most memorable plays in Edmonton my first year. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a tight game. We were down by, I think, three we're down by three, and coach said, Coach Dickey said, okay, Reese, surprise onside kick. Let's go. Get us the ball. And, you know, first year in the league, you know, big game at Edmonton. I was like, oh, shit, this is all on me right now. If we, if I get this ball, we could win. If I don't, it's a wrap. So I just remember everybody on kickoff went right, and I just took off going left. Ball was in the air, and I uh, actually separated my shoulder the first play of that game. So oh. I didn't really have my right shoulder working. So the ball was up there. I saw two Edmonton guys going for it. I jumped and I went for both my hands and my right hand just dropped on me and I was like, ah, oh, damn, I can't guess this. But luckily, I got that last tip on it. We ended up getting the ball, going to overtime, but you know, we didn't, we didn't win in overtime. So, <laughs> but I mean, I I have the most memories at Edmonton. You know, I almost got my first sack at Edmonton in a preseason game. It's it's just a nice environment over there. And worst worst, worst place you hate. Play. Worst place to play, and I can't say Winnipeg either. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say Winnipeg. Um, uh, I would. It's weird. I would honestly say Montreal. Really, I would have uh, thought that would have been the place you love yeah, to play. And this is why I say it's weird because the Montreal view is amazing. I like you overlook Montreal, the uh, mountain right behind it. Um, 
it's it's a decently nice stadium for me whenever i'm on that turf though i just feel different my body feels different i feel like i can't get air uh, it just just the atmosphere of the stadium kind of it messes with me a little bit it's weird to it's weird to think that but i have my worst games in montreal <laughs> interesting yeah on the road on the plane what what do you do do you read a book do you watch movies do you play cards what what do you do uh, i watch movies i'll watch film um I used to listen to Deron Carter freestyle all day, <laughs> but uh, no, I just yeah, I'm I'm a calm guy. I don't really, you know, I'm not I'm not. Allowed. I mean, I guess I am loud, but I just kind of stayed myself on the plane, watch the movies, you know, talk to talk to the three guys around me. It's usually Eddie Steele, Charleston Hughes. Um, yeah, no, just just stay calm. Right on. Um, and then I'm a hockey guy, so football. Not the most highly educated individual when it comes to the plays and the celebrations, but I do love the celebrations. So my question was, when teammates are practicing these celebrations, do they practice in the dressing room or do they practice during practice, like on the field? Or do they try to hide it from the media and surprise everyone? Yeah, no, it happens everywhere. There's a lot that happened on the field. Like, there's definitely some celebrations that we all know about, and we're kind of like, man, I hope he scores so he can do the celebration, or I hope he gets a sack so he can do it. <laughs> like, everybody knows the Charleston Hughes sack celebration. We're surfing on the wave. Like, but there are, then there's like, there's some celebrations where you see like six guys get in, they're all on cue. It's like, where did this come from? So, you know, some, some will be done not even in the dressing room, they'll be done on their own time. But some are down in the dress room, some on the field, some are improv, like right on the spot. Like there's one, uh, <laughs> I remember Mike Edom, uh, Edom and uh, Willie, they tried to do a Dragon Ball Z one right on the spot. I don't know if they talked about it before, but one of them messed up on the handshake and they had to redo it right on the spot. It was kind of funny. <laughs> but I, yeah, no, lots of like you see those big elaborate one with like, you know, four or five guys, they definitely practice that. But the ones where one guy will start and everyone will you know, follow suit. That those are just on the field. If you if you get a touchdown this year, are you gonna have one planned? Everybody, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have some good. You got you, know. you. You can't tell me though. I got I got a good one for any of my big plays. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a hint. It has something to do with my background as a basketball player. That, oh, that's okay, that's, <laughs> that's pretty predictable. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this podcast, we're based out of Halifax here, and I don't know if you know, but the rumor around this city for the past three, four, even five years is a CFL team potentially coming to Halifax. I just wanted to know from a player perspective, um, is it talk at all in the dressing room, like the CFL coming to Halifax? Is it gossip? Is any, has anyone mentioned it uh, around you? I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I would love to play another team in the league. You know, I have 10 in there. Um, the thing I think that's just troubling a lot of players right now trying to accept this is you know the cba is not uh agreed upon right now yeah you know we haven't signed a cba yet so how can we really talk about an expansion team and their salary cap and you know uh who, who could they take and stuff like that when we haven't even discussed the actual league contract yet so I mean, that if you talk to some players and they, they're against it, I think that's more so the reason because the CBA is not done. But I think overall it's going to be it would be good for the, the league, you know, adding that extra East team in, no, no more crossover. Um, another place to go travel to play brings revenue over to Halifax. I just think, I think all in all it's good for Canada and good for the sport. Have you ever been to Halifax? I haven't, but our kicker's from there. I definitely am going to go visit him. What's the kicker's name? Brett Lother. Oh. Knows. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good to know that. Yeah. 
All right, man. Right on. Well, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming on there. We're we're thirty minutes in, so I know you're busy. And uh, thanks for taking the time out of the day to come talk to us. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. What are you doing the rest of the day? Sure, I'm going to hit the gym right away, and then uh, it's it's beautiful out today, so I might just chill with my dog outside all day. There you go. What what day is it at the gym? Shoulders, back, legs, chest. Today's upper power day. Upper uh, power. Upper power. What does that mean? You just. So I'll do uh, heavy. Heavy bench, heavy shoulder press, heavy military press, just everything heavy for upper. And then I'll go lower power tomorrow. Then I'll have an upper push, you know, lower push, just stuff like that. You're on a different wavelength than me. I don't know what you're talking about. I just, <laughs> I just do arms and chest. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks right. for having me. No worries. Once again, thank you very much to Jordan for coming on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Everyone that's listening, do me a favor. Go to our social media outlets. Like, subscribe, comment on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud. We are also giving away an Eagle Energy Inhaler and hat. The contest will be over on Wednesday. So head over to our Facebook page and like, subscribe, comment, tag a friend. There's a couple rules there. Anyways, it's on the Facebook page. You'll check it out. All right, guys, we're out. Peace. Yeah. circles live my life without rehearsal if i die today my nigga was it business was it personal should this be my last breath i'm blessed because it was purposeful never got the church to worship lord but please be merciful you made me versatile well-rounded like cursive no you chose me for a purpose i put my soul in these verses Born sinner was never born to be perfect Sucker for women licking they lips and holding these purses Back when we ran the streets who would think we'd grow to be murderers Teachers treated niggas as if they totally worthless And violent and hopeless I saw but never noticed that a college point is right to be all that you can be posters Rest in peace to Tiffany, I don't know if this the realest shit I wrote But know the realest nigga wrote this and signed it And sealed it in the envelope and knew one day you find it and knew one day you come back and rewind it singing Shit is a gift, but God help us make it Cause this music biz is a cliff I got a life in my grip, she holding tight to my wrist She screaming don't let me slip She see the tears in my eyes, I see the fear on her lips True when I told you, you the only reason why I don't flip And go insane, my roof in the pouring rain You knew me before the fame, don't lose me the more I change No, just grow with me, go broke, you go broke with me I smoke, you go smoke with me Woman's curse is birth, man lead her to the hearse I go Bobby, you go with me, damn Listen here, I tell you my biggest fears You the only one who knows them Don't you ever go expose them This life is harder than you probably ever know Emotions I hardly ever show More for you than for me Don't you worry yourself I gotta do this for me They tell me life is a test But where's the tutor for me? 
Pops came late, I'm already stuck in my ways Ducking calls from my mother for days Sometimes she hate the way she raised me But she loved what she raised Can't wait to hand her these house keys With nothing to say I'm except I'm a ghost and I'm a better than that Swear You are always where I needed you to be Whether 